Welcome to another episode of Mad Femmes. This week we will be discussing a very off-the-beaten-path sort of episode. I sort of love it when Mad Men does these weird types of episodes, and I loved this one as well. I am Brandi Sperry in Seattle, Washington. I'm Shannon Bowen in Oakland. I'm Teresa Schechter in Brooklyn. And I'm Rachel Horowitz, also in Oakland. Okay, so I already said I loved this. I watched it twice. What did other people think just in general of this uh, three storylines episode? You guys, I think this could have might be my second favorite episode ever after the suitcases. Ooh. Yeah. I thought it was really good. I definitely vote this the craziest episode of Mad Men ever. I feel like all the rules of the show were broken. Even the chronology, like everything, I felt it was more like an episode of Lost. Then it was an episode of Mad Men. I was like, polar bears are coming out any moment. What the fuck is happening? I thought it was really cinematic. Yeah, totally. Like I you could see this on Sundance channel or something. <laughs> I love the I love the playing with the time. That was great. When I realized that they were doing everything over the same day. That was like, oh, this is cool. They've never done this before. That was really great. But I found the tone of the whole show kind of disturbing and I usually watch these shows twice and I was not really wanting to watch this again because it it was so unsettling I did watch it again but hmm. so unsettling I totally agree Teresa to the the time piece it didn't hit me until <laughs> Megan pops out again from the office um like we're seeing it I think from Don's perspective after talking to Roger and it my it my brain took so long to catch up. I was like, haha, Megan's in the same outfit. I did the same <laughs> thing. Cause you're because we've never seen that before. It's such a literal show. And yeah. so I was totally like, what is Megan doing wearing that same melon colored outfit? And then I was like, oh, <laughs> Shannon, duh. It also played with the time stuff gave them a chance to play with foreshadowing in a way they they haven't been able to in the past, you know. So Dawn super upset in the phone booth to Peggy. I was like, oh God, Megan dies. Oh God. I knew death was coming. <laughs> right. That's the death we've all been waiting for. Uh, no, not Megan. We, we're not waiting for Megan's death, but no, no. maybe we A are. Death. If, she, if she's seeing Zuby, Zuby, Zoo, we will be waiting for her death one more time. But. <laughs> no, but I was so keyed up from this episode. I couldn't sleep. Which I'm a really good sleeper, so that's really weird. <laughs> but I was like so stressed out. I mean, when Don's chasing Megan through the apartment, I was, I can't even remember probably since Lost that I've been that stressed out over a show and I just couldn't sleep. I'm having this really cinematic image of Shannon like holding the covers up to her chin, <laughs> staring at the ceiling. <laughs> <laughs> I have no Shannon you're the only person I've ever met who gets more involved in her TV shows than I do like more emotionally <laughs> invested <laughs> I do I just like I have a really hard time separating myself from it and so I was in the terror it's an intense <laughs> experience for me as well as the characters by contrast I ended the episode 
feeling, wondering to myself, I wonder if I have ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's let's get into talking about the actual plot points and uh, start with Peggy because that's where the episode starts. She does she loses her shit in the Heinz pitch and part of me is proud of her and part of me is like you need to know how to deal with clients like this is unprofessional so I don't know was were other people as torn as I was well I wish she would have saved that kind of um sass and inappropriateness for someone who had been traditionally a little bit more sexist and demeaning towards her like the Heinz client is just super annoying like nothing they do is good enough. And the whole young people in the beans, he's just been a pain in the ass ever, you know, the whole time. So for her to lose it on him seemed super unprofessional. Yeah. I felt really awkward for her. And I mean, again, we have to factor in sexism. I mean, I think, you know, if someone else had done, if a man had done that, it wouldn't have been a big deal, but because she was a woman, she was overstepping her bounds. And just because this man has a daughter, he doesn't deck her. I mean, <laughs> Oh, that line. Yeah, I mean, that really pissed me off as a feminist. But in general, I'm really disappointed in Peggy. I'm confused by her choices. I thought it was really interesting that it's Peggy, Sterling, and Dawn, and they're all lost. What choice confused you, Shannon? I'm really curious. Uh, Which choice? Uh, If you see a man wearing striped pants, you don't put your hands (laughs) down those Ringling Brother tent pants. And the white belt. Do not forget the white belt. Oh my God. That she so delicately undoes. In the theater, I'm sitting there there being like pissed off for the other people in the theater. That belt is making so much noise right now. We should just superimpose, superimpose Brandy in the screenshot of the theater looking really annoyed. You know I don't like people just being distracting in the movie theater. (laughs) What were they watching? Born Free? Was that Born Free? Yeah, I think so. Oh, man. I guess you've got to get high to watch that movie. (laughs) So what do we, why did she do that? Why do you guys think that she did that? I don't know. Is it really, like, so far from the Peggy who would have sex with Pete in the office and make out with random dudes in hallways at parties in seasons one and two? Like, she's always kind of gotten off on doing these, like, Mm. random things. I agree. She's a little bit Catholic schoolgirl, you know, like, good on the outside and doing, like, these nutty things all the time. Maybe that's why her outfits have gotten so Catholic schoolgirl. They're really emphasizing that. Totally. I think she'd rather give a hand job in a movie theater than have than be married. You know, I think mm-hmm. she likes the she's a bit like Lane. She likes the random sex, you know, because she's a sexual person, but she doesn't want to be controlled by man as seen in the beginning. And so I think that she likes the thrill of it and just that she gets something out of it without having to deal with some guy telling her how to be a woman. Well, she's yeah. also a work. She's a workaholic and. That would be hard on, it's hard on any relationship. It's definitely, we see how hard it is on the men's relationships, but it definitely has a whole different aspect and um, it makes her life, I think, even more difficult because as a woman, it's not even acceptable to be a workaholic. Yeah. That's a good point. So I think she kind of, yeah, like maybe she like bombs this pitch and just wants to go do everything that she's not supposed to do. Right. 
that's less stressful than trying to make the boyfriend happy and win business and you know yeah and i have to say um this is jumping ahead a little bit but when i watched the second time i noticed at the end when dawn is in the conference room sort of surveying the outside hallway peggy walks by going in one direction and then stan and ginsburg and megan walk by going the other direction and i was just like oh symbolism like she is not <laughs> long for this office she can't take it anymore you know who peggy yeah i i that brings up an interesting point because what I left the episode feeling was this place is killing Peggy's soul. Since this season has started, I am worried for Peggy. I feel like she's losing herself. I think she needs to get away from Dawn. I think that this is a really bad, she hasn't even done any good work really this season yet, you know, besides swindling Sterling out of 400 bucks, (laughs) you know, but I think she needs to move on. Yeah, I mean, how much of her being angry in that pitch is about the guy and how she doesn't want to be working on beans and how much of it is about, like, her being pissed that Dawn isn't there. I mean, it's like she's trying to stay in a bad relationship because he is checked out, you know? He is checked out of their friendship, whatever, and she can't deal with it. They haven't had one single conversation, like the two of them, since, and we're, what, five episodes in? Well, and I know for a fact, you know based on personal experience, it's way more fun to go to work when you're winning. Conversation with Sterling at the end and Dawn, it's a reminder that, I mean, Dawn, this Heinz thing, if you think about it, this they should have sealed the deal a long time ago. The fact that they're on this many pitches and working this late, it's kind of miserable. Like, I actually really relate to Peggy wanting her boss to check back in and start to feel good about things again. I blame Dawn, yeah. So let's also talk about Ginsburg's confession to Peggy and then the resulting sort of Peggy downloading and processing what he tells her. You know, this whole episode was so kind of surreal, right? And so he's telling this story that sounds completely surreal, but I think it's true. I was actually shocked when he said he was born in a concentration camp. And then I quickly did the math in my head and I thought, well, it's possible so what was his whole story? His parents? Is that not his real dad? He said he was adopted. Right. Oh. He, he said that he was born in a concentration camp. His mother died and then he was rescued. Oh, he said he was an alien. Well, it's interesting, like using the word alien, you know, can mean the person who doesn't fit or mm-hmm. the person who's like, an illegal alien or a displaced person. I mean, there were so many references to like war refugees, outsiders. Um, it was very interesting. Like, like he's really living this thing in his head. This, this not belonging. No matter where. Yeah, I feel like I didn't super process this well the first time through, and the second time I was like, this is just like a beautifully tragic moment. Like, that's just amazing writing. Like. The way that he obviously made up this story about being a Martian to deal with shit when he was a kid and now can just recite it as if it's true. And then like that softens leading into the actual truth somehow. I don't know. It's just great job. And probably the first time I've really thought like I'm on board with this actor, like Mm -hmm. he sells it so weird, sells it so well, this weird moment. So yeah, he was great. I thought it was great. Well, the acting's good, too, knowing that he's such a cad and has so much, shall we say, chutzpah 
to go from <laughs> that that guy to that dark guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's definitely interesting. I'm I want to know more about him. I still feel like those two are going to start their own firm in 1975. <laughs> After they have hate sex. Yes, <laughs> totally. Okay, let's just not lose that. <laughs> yes, this is the episode where I really liked Ginsburg and I really liked Megan. I think because Love they Megan. both kind of stepped forward and, and, you know, had some sort of real personality, not just what everybody else was sort of putting on them. Totally. They had, their, yeah. they had voices in this episode, which was great. So before we get to talking about Megan too much, I guess mm-hmm. we should probably go chronologically through this and talk about Roger and Jane <laughs> and their LSD yeah. adventure, which I'm not usually a fan of like dream sequences or drug sequences, but this one worked for me. I think just because we've been craving some sort of catharsis for Roger. Mm-hmm. It was just so funny. I mean, when they get to that they get to that party and I'm just like, we're not in Oz anymore, you know, or Kansas anymore, you know? And then it's like, oh, we're all going to drop acid. And I was like, no fucking way. It's Roger <laughs> Sterling. What? Well, the lady. acid. This is amazing. Amazing. Well, the lady is Angela's mom in mm-hmm. my so-called yeah. life. I know. I know. Angela's Ooh. mom doing acid what <laughs> patty chase would never do acid no. <laughs> he's living in the funny. truth that kind of i feel like that that just like kind of jarred me out of the scene a little bit but um holy i i actually brandy to your point i too am no fan of the drug scenes on screen in general and this was so much fun i love when they start when they talk to each other when they're back at home well, I thought it was interesting. Some people in different blogs and things were saying, how does Jane know these interesting intellectual people? Yeah. Um, but she's rich. So, of course, she knows interesting intellectual people because when you're rich, you can buy yourself into any circle. I I thought yeah. the same thing, though. I was really confused by that. And I thought she would be around younger people. But isn't that her shrink? Isn't isn't Patty Chase her shrink? Yeah. Oh, who's, that's who's right. Crossing boundaries in a really unprofessional way. It's the 60s. Don't be a square, Therese. <laughs> Acid is therapy. I would have been the biggest square in the 60s. I would have been like, what? This is so un- inappropriate and crazy and dinner party. I, I, would, have, I would have passed the, the tray of sugar cubes just the way I used to pass trays of cocaine in the 80s. Whoa. Good for <laughs> you, Therese. Thank you. Good yeah, thank for you. you. You're doing That's much better than Peggy is in this episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, no, I, 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 I believe that I partook of whatever Peggy was partaking in. But... Yeah, it's the same way I passed on the penis. I'll have what she's having. It's the same way I passed on the penis in the 90s. I passed on the penis in the 90s, Therese. Yeah. I'm glad you said that again. Yeah, let's get that in there. <laughs> Wait, I want to talk about Roger's acid trip. I love that he just had a great time. Like, and he, he just like delighted in the whole thing. I did, I don't know, I was really struck by, you know, we talk about how Roger's stuck in the past and like opens the vodka bottle and he hears like old timey music. They've got the whole, yeah. he's looking at himself with the gray hair. 
then he's reliving the World Series from 1919. I mean, his whole acid trip was him stuck in the past. Why is Don hunting him? Yeah, what was Don doing there? Yeah, that was I weird. thought it was a really interesting moment because it was another time when Don had to tell somebody it's all going to be okay. You know, just like when Betty called him in that second yeah. episode. Oh. Yeah, is good what, point. Yeah, people. Don really gets to people. Maybe he's the devil. <laughs> Are we back to that now? Don <laughs> is the devil again, or he's Jesus? Yeah, now he's like an angel telling people it's going to be all right. Yeah, it was creepy. It creeped me out. Before he like drives off on his wife and then attacks her in their apartment, because that's very Jesus. We're not there yet, Teresa. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Stay in the truth. Stay in the truth with us. <laughs> I'm in the truth. I'm in the truth. Let me pop another oh, well. sugar cube. Hold on. Okay. Well, well, well done, Shannon. Well done. Note to the listeners: we've all done our sugar cube of acid before recording this <laughs> podcast because we really wanted to feel what you felt. You guys, my microphone is so fuzzy. <laughs> Okay, so let's just agree that we're happy that those two are going to get a divorce, yeah. Well, but... Roger's, Roger's happy. <laughs> Roger's thrilled. But we really hope that he doesn't dye his hair black. Like, wouldn't that be terrible? <laughs> oh, my God. That she, does. She, she does, I have to say. She looks very beautiful the next morning, just the way she's laying. I'm always jealous of these women, like, sleeping in these, like, beautiful, like, Roby negligees. I mean, I'm always just in my red yoga pants. <laughs> tank top. You know, it's, but... it's literally like JLo's Versace from the Grammys <laughs> or whatever. Like That's it's... what it looked like, yeah. Oh, I just pointed out how how beautiful she's sort of made to look the next morning with the lighting and the great um, outfit and everything just because I think Roger, and he says she's so beautiful. And, and I love that the, the acid trip makes him okay with letting a beautiful young wife go because they're kind of killing each other they don't connect and they make each other sad i -hmm. love when she says you don't like me it broke my heart yeah whatever i was like oh yeah it sucks to be a babe guys like you for being a babe and not you i but you know this is the first time we've really gotten to know jane i feel like since she's been on the show and I felt really sad for her. I mean, then she's kind of this vindictive bitch in the end. It's going to be very expensive. She's going to she's going to be just fine. But um all right, well should we move on to Don? Okay. What go what is going on with Don? He has he always been this obtuse? Yes. Well, <laughs> <laughs> it's really, really striking me in this episode, like, wa- especially watching it the second time, how Megan is, like, not wanting to go on that trip, and he just cannot get the signals, which I also think she should have just said, I don't want to go, because she certainly can be quite articulate about what she wants and doesn't want when she decides to. Well, I... I felt myself thinking, oh, this is kind of sad. Don's been such a great husband. And then I realized the bar is super low for me and him. (laughs) I'm basing that on he went to a whorehouse and he didn't sleep with a whore. (laughs) Husband of the the year. The bar is very low. Very low. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. But Don's a narcissist. I mean, he is. And so why would he ever stop to think about 
what Megan would want. I mean, I love it when they're sitting in the Howard Johnson, which where the hell did they find this set? P.S. But they're sitting in the Howard Johnson and he's starting to do work. And she's like, oh, you get to work. And I don't, you know, and it was just, oh, I loved it. And he won't let her order pie. I mean, I was like mad. I'm like, bring her some yeah. pie. That orange ice cream looked weird. It, it looked weird. And you shouldn't get between a woman and her pie. No. Sorry. And why did people keep talking about clams? I almost puked just thinking about eating clams in that Howard Johnson's. <laughs> has, has anyone ever eaten at a Howard Johnson's? No. No. I have. Did they even, I have. have they ever even had those on the West Coast? I don't I like I don't know what it is. So I don't know what it is. I never heard of them. It's like a motel now. What? Wait, you've never heard of Howard Johnson's? I've heard the term, but I assumed it was just like a <laughs> chain restaurant i didn't know about all of this like crazy hotel business well it's like the chain restaurant it's like no never like heard of it classic americana those colors the orange and blue the classic howard johnson's colors it was like a restaurant and hotel oh my god yeah it's pooped in it's the a thing <laughs> i'm sure tom and lorenzo will have a lot to say about it when they finally post but it was a beautiful it was beautifully shot I mean, the, yeah. the um, production quality was awesome for Dawn's stuff. Well, it gets increasingly uncomfortable. I mean, wondering where she is, if she got kidnapped. It was stressful. I mean, first off, fuck him for leaving. Who? She's right. Who does that? You don't do yeah. that. Yeah. I, I agree. That was such a jerk move. But I love that she's like, I'm just going to get home. Like, I love that she's an independent lady, maybe from her years of being a call girl, according to Therese, but she is an independent lady nonetheless, and I love that she got herself home. It is weird how sensitive he is, too. I mean, she 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 has a little bit of something to say inside the restaurant, and a normal dude would have been able to diffuse it a little and say, oh, I had no idea that, you know, you know, you wanted to stay at work. Now I know, you know, or something. But things really escalate with those two because he's not really used to being pushed on like that from a woman. Mm-hmm. Yep. And did you catch her saying, yes, master? Yeah. Yes. Oh, the that Jeannie whole reference. Sub- yeah, from I Dream of Jeannie. That whole monologue was awesome. Well, and she talks about the submission stuff, you know. Well, what did you guys make of the apartment scene? I was, like, stunned by his behavior. I was flipping out. I was, like, I, it was so terrifying. I mean, maybe I, I just can't imagine being chased. So that's just as scary in itself. But, like, they're breaking furniture. They're chasing each other. I mean, it was really violent. We've had all these scenes of violence with Dawn, and I didn't know what he was going to do when he, ca- when he was going to catch her. It was terrifying. Very terrifying. Yes. Do you think she now has big question marks? I mean, I liked her line about every time we fight, it diminishes us or whatever she said. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think she's going to reach a breaking point. I think he freaked her out for real good this time. That last line left me a little confused. I know a lot of people have cited it as this very, very important thing she says. And I I don't. Can, Can you guys give me your take on that line? To me, it was when she says it diminishes this, 
I thought, you know, yeah, it's their obvious marriage, but it's also like the idea of being a wife. To me, Megan's struggle is, do I become a business lady or do I embrace being a wife? And I see in this episode really brings it up how she's torn between the two. And I feel like she's realizing that being a wife is not as satisfying as what she thought it would be. I think, hmm. was there a flashback? There was. There was a flashback to the car, you know, when they were happy, mm-hmm. when they first met. And I think that they got married under very flimsy circumstances. Um, and I think each time he shows more of who he is, it starts to diminish that early glow. That that yeah. weak sauce that they fell in love upon. Well, Don is a con man. He's used to acting like someone he isn't. And now she's seeing him who him for who he really is. Maybe, but I think she understands him better than maybe um, like you're giving her credit for because this is this really interesting thing of like there it's it's a trope in literature that like two passionate people can't be together, you know, they'll always implode. And it doesn't necessarily mean they don't understand each other. It's just it's like it's too much. And especially since they have these like dominant submissive stuff going on in their sex life that seems to be like seeping into their work life. I mean, it's a very strange relationship. And I think they do have legitimate connection and they do sort of understand each other, but not in a practical way, in a visceral way. That's a good yeah, point. I agree. It's a really good point. It's like when he goes a little too dark, I think it bothers her. I think she likes to play, you know, normal couple. Like she, like I can surprise my husband and that's not going to be a problem, but he's so dark, you know, he's not normal. It's interesting that he's crying and clinging to her though at the end. Yeah. She didn't seem moved. Yeah. yeah, that is interesting, and it kind of goes weirdly with the fact that he, a couple of times in the past couple of episodes, has brought up his childhood as if it's all of a sudden not that big of a deal to talk about. You know, I was born in the country, blah, 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 in the previous episode, which mm-hmm. is really striking me. And then he kind of, like, that was so blatantly, like, grabbing the apron strings. I don't know. It was weird. That's a good point. Well, are we ready to talk about the return of Cooper? <laughs> wow! Biggest surprise of the whole episode. He's going to return so hard, we're going to put him on the $100 bill. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, he's like the capitalist version of like his a fairy godmother, you know? <laughs> what did he say? You're on love leave? And yeah. he's been letting this little girl run things, which Ugh. is Ugh. me hate him. <laughs> But I just love that he's sitting there and he calls Don out. And it was like, and it's kind of perfect because everybody else isn't going to. He's the only one left who isn't under the Don spell. Well, I think there's this really interesting tension and theme they explore with a lot of the characters. Mm-hmm. And, and Peggy is usually the catalyst for this. And this time, um, Sterling, you know, and the lovely thing, they're always looking at what part of yourself do you have to sacrifice in order to be successful at the firm? Definitely. Uh, and if, if these people represent America, like if these characters' journeys 
kind of embody America's journey. It's, it's, I think the question is what to survive and to be successful and to remain on top, what has to go, you know? Yes. And I think there's another level of that, which is like, can you ever obtain the ultimate success vision that you have? Because there's this, there's a moment at the beginning of the episode that really struck me the second time through where Stan tells that weird story about his date the night before. And he ends with, and I wasn't listening to her because all I could think was, I'll never be able to draw as well as a photograph. And nobody says anything to him and it just kind of moves on. But it was totally like to talk about the filmish nature of this episode. It was like how there's always like a moment in a Coen Brothers movie that makes no sense with everything else, but totally embodies the theme of the episode. And that was totally what I got from that. Watching it again is just like, nobody's ever going to be able to be as good as they want to be. And it's killing them. Mm, that's deep. Interesting. Yeah, it is deep. I think that this season is more satisfying than I ever imagined it would be. I think that they are, really torturing the characters in really interesting ways. And I have no idea what's going to happen. What a great feeling. <laughs> so many shows yeah. are so predictable. It's so nice to be like, I don't know. You just broke all the rules in the last episode. I don't know. Anything could happen. The guy that sits next to me at work was like, amazing episode because this season, all bets are off. There is no plot really. There's no what will happen next. It's just let's let these characters do their thing and see what happens. Well, it's so funny how an episode like this can turn. You can go from Zuby Zuby Zoo to totally pro Megan. Guys, I love her. I think I'm really, <laughs> I know I'm eating my previous words. I, you know, and I was having, actually I was having this conversation with the coworker earlier. I said, as a feminist, when Megan shows up, you're programmed to hate her. You love Faye. She's a strong working lady. And then mm -hmm. you've got this stupid, pretty little secretary. So, of course, you can't root for her. But they keep showing more and more of her as this kind of strong feminist woman, actually. And so they've won me over. Well, you can only root for what you know. So I feel like I just I keep getting manipulated with her character because it's you know, it's just what they choose to write for her. So they have a show, finally, where she sticks up for herself and she tells Don to fuck off. And of course, we all love her. But what's the next episode going to bring? You know? Yeah, I feel, like she, I feel like she's actually the most mysterious character to me, to be honest. I feel like I know Ginsburg better than I know Megan. You know, there's this, there's a, the past. There is um, what she wants from work. There is what she thought she was getting in a marriage with Don, the French piece, there's just all these pieces that don't don't quite come together for me to really to really understand her. I don't know what's gonna happen with Peggy. I mean, is she gonna become an alcoholic? What what is I don't I don't understand. <laughs> in the really back confused. of her mind this whole time Shannon's just been like, I'm really worried about Peggy. I'm really yeah. worried. I'm really worried. Ugh. She was so I think we pissed. should be worried for everyone. Yeah, because someone's going to die. Okay, so. wait. <laughs> if you if you could only pick one character that you think is going to die in this season, let's just all say which character we think it's going to be that's going to die. Roger Sterling. Pete. Pete Campbell, yeah. Well, yeah. Betty Draper. 
I'm throwing it down. Oh, that'd be so cool. <laughs> they have to bring Betty back so we can remember to care about her. Like, this yeah. January Jones pregnancy leave is kind of ruining things. So Maybe mm-hmm. she's been away so long that she'll be skinny Betty again. And the I, I can't really. stop crying about how ugly she is now. I'm so upset. Guys. <laughs> I'm so I don't know about you, but I can't forget. Keep her off the screen. (laughs) Okay, I take it back. I don't think Roger Sterling, because he's too key to the tone of this show. So Mm -hmm. nobody wants to lose him. Maybe Megan. That'd be so crazy. That'd be great. I don't know. That'd be be great? What are you saying? (laughs) I'm in a bad mood. And then Don goes off the deep end, and he's the one who throws Pete out a window, and they both are dead Ooh, bloodbath i have to tell you i don't think someone's gonna die i think there's gonna be some sort of comical crazy thing going on i just feel like people are about to lose their shit you know don chasing his wife around the apartment like that after dreaming about strangling someone and peggy giving hand jobs i just and drugs and hallucinogens <laughs> cooper caring about the business Shit's going crazy. <laughs> I feel like people are going to lose their shit, you know? Like, it's it's less of a plot that's that has the momentum, and it's more about this, like, slow build. I feel like everyone is a tea kettle that's about to start whistling. God knows what next week is going to bring. I don't even know. I'm nervous already. I'm nervous for Peggy. I mean, guys, <laughs> I told you I can't sleep. Well, that has been another episode of mad fems you can find us on facebook at mad fems uh madfems.tumblr.com and of course follow us on twitter mad mad underscore fems is where you'll find us there and thank you for listening we are looking forward to next week with trepidation this plane is definitely crashing